Welcome to the Wellversed Podcast from Vintage Church. This is episode seven. My name is Jasmine Denton. And I'm Matt Smith. And we are super excited that you've chosen once again to join us because we're gonna go ahead and assume that you've listened or watched every single episode. Absolutely, I'm sure. Like big fans by now, right? Yes, yes. (laughs) We are grateful that you are walking with us through this season one of this brand new podcast where we are just opening up God's word and specifically and intentionally this time around, walking through the I am statements of Jesus, trying to see him for who he said he is as we move towards Easter 2023. 2023. Oh, please don't edit that out. definitely leave that in. (laughs) 2023. (laughs) Now you got to calibrate back and get us back into the word. So here we go. We have been walking through the seven I am statements of Jesus in the gospel of John uh, in order to get a clear view of Jesus. Uh, I can't look at you. I'm going to keep laughing about tweet. We're not stopping. So you got to keep going. Uh, And we... We ended off the last one, I'm the resurrection and the life. Jesus is at Bethany. On the other side of that account, uh, Jesus enters into Jerusalem during now what we refer to as Holy Week. Uh, These are the last seven days of Jesus's life before he is crucified. John, more than any other gospel writer, describes to us what those final days were like. Yeah, John really yes. leans into that last week and and the vast the last several chapters yes. of his gospel give us a window into that last week, a window into the upper room experience. Mm-hmm. And we're getting really close. Yeah. Uh, to to that to that time, but John, unlike any of the other gospel writers, and I love how intentionally God gave us these three very unique narratives of his life. Mm. If you're with us on Sunday mornings right now, we're mm-hmm. walking through the gospel of Luke. And so it's kind of cool that if you're if you're walking with us on Sunday through the gospel of Luke and then through the Well-Versed podcast through the gospel of John yeah. moving towards uh Easter, it's it's really it's a really cool way to to move in that direction. Yeah, I agree. And I think this also before before jumping into this next I am statement. And you've alluded to this in this series. Um or uh, out of Nazareth series for our church. So often we find ourselves sitting in church on Easter Sunday, having worried about the deviled eggs and the hams and the Easter baskets and the dresses and where are we gonna take pictures and oh, it's raining or whatever. And we find ourselves sitting in church thinking, how are we here? I have not prepared my heart for this at all. I know that this is a big deal, but like I am not there. Um, I've heard it said like that our our soul doesn't run at the pace of our schedule. Mm. You know, and never said that. That's good. I know. I wish I could remember. Um, Actually, I'm pretty sure that it was Dallas Willard. Yeah, Uh, because he talked a lot about that. Mm. You have to, you know, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life, right? um, Because the soul goes at a different pace than your schedule, and so um, there. Oh, and there's actually a story that goes along with that. But basically, there's this idea that when you kind of stop for a moment, it takes a while for your soul to catch up kind of to where you are because mm. you've experienced so much. And I don't mean that it's in a, a literal, like yeah, yeah. our soul is falling behind <laughs> us somewhere. Uh, but we go so fast. And so I think For that sure. this really intentional movement through the gospels, both the gospel of Luke and the gospel of John, by the time that we sit in church on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, 
we will be so ready mm. to celebrate the resurrection. Cool. Um, I and, hope so. And, yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm excited about it yeah. already. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't know. I like the slowness. I like the intentionality and aiming to see Jesus as clearly as possible. Yeah. Um, so we have, we're back to, to John and Jesus has entered into, into Jerusalem. Uh, we know through, uh, through this gospel, through the other gospels, he's come into the city. He has um, turned the tables over in the temple. He's been doing teaching in the temple. And every evening he goes back out to Bethany and then comes back into the city each day. We know this through the other gospels. Well, John chapter 12 and John chapter 13 reveal to us what happens basically the last night mm. before Jesus is betrayed, arrested, tried, yeah. and crucified. So, and this is, John teases this out for like four or five chapters. Um, so what we see here, we are at the, what we call the last supper. So this is, they're celebrating the Passover meal. And uh, this is where we see Jesus washing the disciples' feet, uh, where he's even more revealing who he is to them. I did not come to be a king. Because it, the people were typically expecting a Messiah who was gonna come and rule over all. They were yeah. gonna overthrow you know, the, the Roman occupation and uh, they, would be, they would be free to be themselves again. Yeah. And even in, in washing the disciples' feet, he's like, I didn't come to be a king, I came to be a servant. Yeah. I, and this is the, what I'm demonstrating is also what you need to do. And so we see that through, uh, through chapter 13, he predicts Judas's betrayal. He gives the disciples a new command telling them, yes, you, you, know, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The, those two greatest commandments. And then he says, but I give you another command, a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So that's what's happened up to this point. Yeah. I love this part. You know, John, more than anybody, gives us this window into this very mm. exclusive moment. Yeah. So much of what's written in the Gospels are in front of many people or a few, at least um, crowds. We have, mm -hmm. you know, Sermon on the Mount, things like that. But there were, by the time this is, you know, when this is written, you know, there's, there's 12 guys that got to experience this, mm -hmm. just 12. Yeah. Just Jesus and his 12 in this upper room experiencing this moment. And so it's this window into this intimate moment between Jesus and his disciples. And I think these words that John records are as, it's hard to, mm -hmm. to rate the words of Jesus as some being more important than sure. others. But I always say, if you knew that you were about, this was the last conversation Mm -hmm. If tonight I said, all right, Jasmine, this is the last conversation you'll get to have with Lyle and your kids. Oh my gosh, you pay attention. And you're gonna, you're gonna say the most important things. Yeah. If this is my, the last audience I get with my mm -hmm. kids before mm -hmm. I die, mm -hmm. I'm gonna say things to them that I know that they're gonna need to carry them through the rest of their lives. Mm. And I always, when you read, when starting in chapter 13 in the, in the chapters that follow, think about that, that Jesus is with his disciples mm -hmm. 
And what he knows is that this is my last chance to have you guys together yeah. before the crucifixion and all these things are gonna unfold. And so there is a weight to these words and an, an urgency mm-hmm. that when you, when you read it with that in mind, it, it gives a different kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. And so there comes this moment, which is gonna lead into the, our I am statement for, for this week. And I actually wanna start in the latter part of chapter Please. three, because mm-hmm. it'll usher us it in. Does. So open up your Bible, go ahead and go to, to John chapter 13. I'm gonna start reading with verse 36 and I'm gonna pick up my Bible and get it closer to my ever diminishing <laughs> eyes. Uh, so John chapter 13, starting with verse 38. Lord, Simon Peter said to him, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but where you will follow, but you will follow later. Lord, Peter asked, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Peter, as always being his cocky self, his arrogant self that, you know what, there's nowhere that you won't go, that you could go that I won't follow. I will lay down my life. I'll do anything. Verse 38, Jesus replied, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, I tell you, a rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. And just the weight of that moment, yeah, of Peter. How could you the the audacity, Jesus? Mm-hmm. And we see Peter have that with Jesus a couple times, where he it's almost like Jesus, you, I know better than you, right? And there's a time when Jesus calls him Satan and says, you know, get yeah. behind me because you're you're standing in the way, yeah. And so this this moment is getting intense as Jesus. They've had this beautiful moment, the foot washing, this beautiful meal together, and now Jesus, even though he had constantly been pointing to his death, mm. is starting to get real, and he can see. It's, and it's almost like what he's about to say in verse one. He sees the heartbreak in Peter's eyes. Yeah. Of like, Jesus, how could you think about that about me? And he's already pit- predicted Judas's denial. Betrayal. Like this mm-hmm. meal has gone sideways yeah. fast. It's getting tense, it's heavy. But Jesus says in chapter 14, verse one, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. Verse five, Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And (laughs) Thomas is the one disciple. Can I say it? Please. I wanna punch in the mouth. Okay. There's just several times it's like, dude, you're killing me. In, in the story that we looked at last week with, with Martha and Mary and Lazarus, there's huh. a verse that we didn't read last okay. week. Okay, yeah, that's right. So there's a moment when Jesus said, we're gonna go wake him up. We're gonna do all this stuff. And Thomas is like, well, let's go. Let's just go there and let's die with him too. Mm-hmm. It's like, bro, you're killing me. You're yeah. so negative. And we know this on the other side of the resurrection sure. where he's very like, unless I see Jesus' hands, unless I touch him, unless I see all the things, I'm not gonna believe. Mm. He just had this spirit. But maybe why I'm so frustrated at him is because there's more Thomas in me than I wanna admit. Oh. You know, we all Keep think going. we would be the bold Peter to get out of the boat. No, you'd be the Thomas in the fetal position in, in the bow of that joker. You would not be as bold as you think you yeah. are. We all like to think we'd be David slaying Goliath instead of Saul being mm. indignant and stubborn. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, anyway, that's probably a whole nother podcast. So. No, that's good. Jesus is saying, he's just said, 
I'm going to go prepare a place for you. He's mm-hmm. pointing to eternity. Mm-hmm. He's pointing to not just his, his crucifixion and his resurrection, but to the eventual destination for those who believe in him. Mm-hmm. And then they're still not getting it. There's mm-hmm. another moment where these disciples are just like, it's like it's not clicking. And Jesus said, this is our I am statement, verse six. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Mm. And that's a powerful statement. Man, it is. This is this is one of these verses that one of these revelations of who Jesus is, maybe more than any of the other ones, you know, we talk about um, like meditating on God's word. Mm. I think probably more than anything else that Jesus said about himself, this is the one that I think about the most often Mm. that I, not in a bad way, but like play with in my mind. Like I turn it over. I look at it from all the different sides. so many, he is saying so much in these three words about himself. And, and even in this moment, we with our modern American lens don't see so much of what is happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were at the Passover meal, which signifies a remembrance, it's a remembrance celebration meal for when God called the Israelites up out of Egypt, out of slavery. Uh, And so much of the language that is used in that deliverance from Exodus um, is, I don't have this marked, uh, is is marriage language. Mm. Uh, So if you go to Exodus six, um, starting in verse six, I have God's talking to Moses and he says, therefore tell the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from forced labor of the Egyptians and rescue you from slavery. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and acts of great judgment. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. You will know that I'm the Lord, your God, who brought you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land that I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. And so this is sort of the beginning. This is almost like the first part of a marriage proposal to tell them. And a lot of this language was actually woven into Jewish wedding ceremonies, that you have this bridegroom who is bringing a bride into his own family, into his own heart, into his own people, into his own land. Um, Even uh, the covenant at Mount Sinai, where basically Moses is almost the minister and he says, do you agree to uphold this covenant? And the people say, we do. Mm-hmm. It's like this, it's, a, it's the picture of marriage. Mm-hmm. And um, so here you have in the Passover meal, this remembrance of this first covenant with God. When we propose marriage, not we, because I didn't propose, somebody else proposed to me. Uh, we just say like, hey, will you be my wife? Hey, will you marry me? Yes, I will. You set a date you, and then you make all the plans together. That's not the way that this rolled in Jewish culture. Um, you would have the two families would decide on whether this was a, a good match, not just for those two people, but for the whole families. Um, there would be a bride price 
that the groom's family would pre- would pl- pay for the bride. Uh, there would be a ceremony where the the groom would basically offer a cup of wine to the to the bride, and basically saying like, "Will you?" Will you be my wife? Will you drink this cup and be my wife? If she accepts, she'll pick the cup up and drink it. So even in the Passover meal, like there's all of this imagery of, of getting married. Well, so at that point, the couple is actually legally married. So even though they're not living together yet, there is this legal agreement that I am yours, you are mine. I will not like date anybody else or whatever. In the meantime, the groom goes back to his father's house and would build a room onto his father's house where he would then come and bring his wife. And there was not a date that this was going to happen. So, you know, we, we read these parables about uh, like the 10 virgins and they didn't know when the, the bridegroom was gonna come. Well, I was always very confused about that because it was like, hold on just a second. Mm. How do you not know what, like what has happened to make you not know when the groom is coming. I mean, there's a wedding day. So of course, you know when the groom is coming. Well, they didn't because the, even the groom didn't know when the date was gonna be. It wasn't until the father of the family deemed that this new room was ready to bring a bride into. Mm. And so the, the father tells the son, now it's time to go get your bride. Mm. And so when he says, in my father's house are many rooms, he says, um, in my father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you, I am going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. All of this is wedding language. Mm -hmm. All of this is saying, I'm going to prepare a place in my father's house. We like to think of heaven as like, mansions on hilltops, Mm -hmm. but it's not. It's like one big house with many, 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 many rooms. Right, right. And- um, It's good. And so- all, like he, there's so much that's wrapped up into what Jesus is telling them and they miss it almost every single time. Well, and it time, gives such you know? a different perspective on how often Jesus uses that language about a wedding banquet. Yes. You know, the, yeah. he being the groom and the body of Christ being his the bride. bride. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it through that lens of the Jewish tradition, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like, again, the original audience are reminded that the, the Bible was written for us, but not to us. Yeah. And so understanding that cultural paradigm mm-hmm. helps give new meaning to all of that. Yeah. 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 And yeah, that's super cool. Super yeah. Cool. Um, so there is this, uh, this question of like, how can we get to the Father? And that's a, that's a question that people at that time were trying to answer in general. Mm-hmm. How do we get to God the Father? How do we- How do we get access? How do we get access to mm-hmm. God? Um, you had obviously like the, the priests and the, the temple model of, well, your only access to God is through the high priest who goes in once a year on the day of atonement. Like that's, that's the only access mm-hmm. is through someone else. You had people like the zealots at that time who were like, no, the way to bring God's kingdom here on earth is to overthrow Rome. Yeah. Like that was the way. The Pharisees were like, no, the way is to follow the law. The law, the rules. So you had all of these people who had an idea of the way 
to get to the Father. Mm. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 it's me. Like I'm going I'm to the, the Father, yeah. I am the way. And um, I heard um, somebody talking about this and, and she said, you know, there's, they're looking for the Father. And instead of Jesus pointing to the Father, he pointed to the way to get there. Because when we just only see the destination, we take it upon ourselves to figure out our own way. Mm. And Jesus is saying like, if you want the Father, you need to want me. Yeah. Um, because like, I want you to have that too, but I'm, I'm the way yeah. to get there. When I even think about, you know, the connection to other things, even in the I am statements, you know, mm. it talks about how he's, he's the door, the he's door. the gate, yeah. he's the way in. God. And, you know, and the first thing for me is to think about just the, the reality of Jesus being the only way mm. and the, the language that's woven through scripture about this reality. You know, one of the first things I thought about is this conversation in the book of Acts where Peter and John have been arrested in Acts chapter four mm -hmm. and he makes it very clear trying to get them to see Jesus for who he is. And in verse 12 of Acts four says, there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Hmm. And I wonder, you know, that so often when I read about the things that Peter says in the book of Acts in his early chapters, it's not that it's verbatim, but you see the connection between Peter's words and oh. the things he heard from Jesus. Yeah. It's, it's like clicked in his brain at mm -hmm. some point. And from his sermon on the day of Pentecost, and especially look at the connection between John 13, 14, 15, the upper room experience mm -hmm. and the things that Peter says mm. in the book of Acts and even in First and Second Peter, but those words specifically that are recorded in that upper room experience left such an imprint on Peter that he he's internalized them, he's applied them, and now he's living them out. And then when he speaks, you see the the overtone of that language and those things that were said woven into the things that he says in the future. Mm. Oh, that's so good. I'm just, and I'm just thinking, you know, when Jesus. When, when Peter remembers that moment, I wonder how long Jesus's prediction of his denial mm -hmm. would have overshadowed that whole night. I wonder, you know, on the other side of this, how often did Peter and John sit together? Mm. And John, like, Peter, don't let like that, that one, you know, that one act, that one denial or three times, whatever, overshadow all of these other things that Jesus, like hold on to these other things. Mm. Like don't just hold on to the way that you disappointed Jesus, mm. you know? Um, like I wonder how often he needed to be reminded of that. For sure, um, But, you know, and I think that this is one of those points where you, <laughs> you go from saying that Jesus is a good moral teacher, but not the Messiah, to, you can't say that he's a good moral teacher. You can't be neutral. You can't, because he's saying, yeah. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And then he even says, if you've seen me, you've seen him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like, you can't, this is the point on, Jesus can't be a good moral teacher 
and you not believe this. If you don't believe this about what Jesus said, why would you believe anything? Yeah. He wouldn't be a good moral teacher. Yeah. Um, it's and, that old saying, it's liar, lunatic, or Lord. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's mm. one of those three things. Yes. If you yep. really intellectually, honestly, yeah. look at the things he himself said, yeah. which has been the whole point of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this statement, probably more than any other, I am the way, the truth, and the life, probably rubs up against our culture more than any of the other things that Jesus said about himself. Mm-hmm. We love Jesus being the good shepherd, that he's gonna take care of us, that, um, that he gives us access uh, to God, that he's gonna keep the bad stuff out and let the good stuff in, that he's gonna provide for us as the bread of life, that he will sustain us, all of these things. But when we get to this, our culture says, I mean, he's a way, but you can't say that he's the only way because that, I mean, basically then you're saying that every other way, people are going to hell, mm. you know? Or you can't say that Jesus is the truth. There's a lot of truths. Mm. Everybody has their own truth. Uh, or the life, like, I mean, if you live Jesus's way, that's not gonna be a great life. He's gonna keep you from mm. doing all of these awesome, fun things. He's gonna condemn you. He's gonna, like, I think that this one, and maybe I'm wrong about it, but just in my view, uh, my truth, <laughs> that I think these three statements, these are very strong statements yeah. that really push up against our our current culture. Yeah, and I think they were they were strong statements in that time. Absolutely. Uh, and that's why he mm. chose the audience he did and the timing in which he did to say these things. Yeah. Um, but when people say that, you can't say that, blah, blah, blah. I didn't say it, Jesus did. Mm, mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of where when people start to get a little frustrated. Well, you can't say you can. I, I'm not saying this. This is this was not my decision or my idea. Right. This is looking honestly at the words of Jesus Himself. Mm. And if it is an all inclusive invitation, mm-hmm. because Jesus extends this to everybody. Yeah. But it is a very exclusive. Yeah. Uh, path. Yes. It's just true. And you know, again, going back to what. You know, Peter reiterating that there's no other name. Hmm. There's no other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jesus, but the more that I think that when you look at a lot of what Jesus said, this this truth is laced into, I mean, go again, we, we've referenced that, that gate or the door. He said, mm-hmm. there's other people that are gonna pretend to be the gate. There's other people that right. are gonna, you know, yeah. and he talks about sheep, sheep and wolves and mm-hmm. like, Sometimes we think of that in a weird context, but essentially what Jesus was trying to say is there will be other things that rise up Mm -hmm. that try to convince you that you can get to the Father by another means. Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to make it very, very clear because I love you and I want to be with you and I want you to be with me that I am He, Mm. where we started. Ooh. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. And then the other thing I thought of, I don't know kind of what you you thought. I thought, for some reason, I thought of Colossians 1. Oh, okay. I love Colossians 1. Uh, and this is Paul, who I think Paul very clearly believed that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. And there's this declaration about the person of Jesus. And it's Colossians chapter 1, and I'll start uh, with verse, verse 13. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Mm-hmm. In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then verses 15 through 20 are just, he is the image of the invisible God, 
the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the, the, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Hmm. There's this that. deep theological hmm. creed almost mm-hmm. oh, that's yeah. in those words of talking about the supremacy of Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's very connected to this, I am the way, the truth, the life mm-hmm. that Jesus was trying. And and to understand too, the context in which he's saying, they're about to be challenged. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, gonna be, they're gonna be challenged by the Jewish people. They're gonna be challenged by other people that try to manipulate the gospel as you move into the book of Acts. And he's trying to solidify the centrality of who he is and what he came to do. Mm. That's awesome. Um, I think that even when you look back to the Old Testament and you know, we kind of started out with Exodus and God calling them out of Egypt. And I think about how God made a way mm. that you know, he made a way to get out of Egypt. He made a way to, um, to make sure that they had what they need. He made a way through the Red Sea with the son, like the second person of the Trinity leading the way as mm-hmm. that pillar of fire that, that, he, that Jesus has always, always marked the way. The way. Yeah. And, and now here was the way right in front of their eyes, God in flesh. And he's still pointing the way. And, and I think mm. probably when I say like that I've, I've turned this over my mind so many times, th- that's probably the one part of this, not that the truth and the life um, haven't, but I think that's the one I've probably thought about the most is like, he always makes a way. Yeah. Even in, and you know, not that I'm trying to immediately apply this, but this is the way that I've seen it in my own life. Yeah. It's like, he always makes a way. Yeah. It's not the way you would think. You know, and um, I think about going back to the I am the light of the world. Yes. And in the Psalms, your word is a light to my path mm-hmm. and a lamp to my feet. Yeah. In other words, you're, you're showing the way. <laughs> it's, so it's, it's, it's laced into all of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd like to end in Isaiah. Is that cool? Absolutely. Okay. So this is Isaiah 43, uh, starting in verse 16. Isaiah um, says, this is what the Lord says, who makes a way in the sea Mm. and a path through the raging water, who brings out the chariot and horse, the army and the mighty one together. They lie down, they do not rise again. They are extinguished, put out like a wick. Do not remember the past events. Mm. Pay no attention to things of old. Look, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, wild animals, jackals, ostriches will honor me because I provide water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. The people I formed for myself will declare my praise.
Uh, just that reminder, God, even, even when the people were in exile, yeah. he's telling them, I am making a way. I, I already did it. And what I did, bringing you guys out of Egypt, mm. I made that way and it was awesome. Mm. But don't remember that those past events. Pay no attention to things of old. I'm about to do something new. Even now it's coming, do not see it. I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Like the way that he made in the wilderness. Yeah. In the wilderness of that day and time of oppression in Rome. Mm. They were oppressed by the Egyptians. Now they're oppressed by the Romans. It's like, I'm gonna lead you out. And this is the way in his name is Jesus. It's interesting. When I flipped to that, my eyes went directly to verse 11. Okay, let's go. And it just says, I, I am the Lord. Besides me, there is no savior. Just that verse alone. The end. <laughs> I, I am the Lord. Yeah. Besides me, mm. there is no savior. There was, that's what Jesus was saying. There is no other way. There's no other savior but me. There is no other Messiah but me. There yeah. is no other way to the eternal life yeah. or to the abundant life now. Right that you're looking for. And he's not saying that to leave anybody out. No. He's saying that to bring everybody in. Mm. You know, he's he's not saying like, it's just me. And so if you are doing something else, like, so sorry for you. He's like, no, I want you to know yeah. that I am the way. I want to invite you in mm. to this. That's why the veil was torn. That's why we don't have to go through a priest. Like that's why he did what he did. So that everyone could believe, everyone could be brought in. Mm, Man. Well, we're coming toward the end of this journey and there's only a couple episodes left. And so if you are finding this helpful, beneficial, make sure that you're subscribed. We would love for you to leave a review and a rating and let us know how God is using this podcast to help you better understand who Jesus is. All right. Thanks everybody. See you next time. We'll see you.